Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey everyone, it's Felicia and I have our uh, my high five today and that is two systems, um, specifically to Parker as well, my husband, because he is fantastic at, at systems, setting them up and mostly following through and trusting systems. I, I also have like a lot of big ideas for systems, but then I just seem to get into my old ways. and he's really good at just encouraging the upkeep of systems, um, which is the only way they work is if you fall through with them. So I was telling him, I feel like every, you know, few months I'm like, how the heck am I going to keep this house clean? Mm -hmm. Like it is a never ending just treadmill and we all have our own, you know, ways that we do things, but He just encouraged me to, it's easy to get bogged down by the stuff that you already know you're not going to do that day. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's easy for it to weigh on me. And so he's really good about separating. Like, you know, you're not going to do that today. So just know, like, trust in the fact that you are going to do it on whatever day you're going to do it. And then don't let it weigh on you in this day because you're not going to do it anyways. And I feel like I had the tendency of like, it's all on one list that is never ending. And when I've really like compartmentalized when I'm going to do stuff, it's just taking, it's really just like a mental load. It's not like anything has changed. It's just organizing and then trusting in what's to come instead of just, well, I have time. I'm just going to do more. But then that eats into, you know, self-care time, relaxing time, being with your kids, whatever. And it can easily like turn into you never stop doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's my high five to trusting in the system. Mm. So you're saying is is it that, so it's the tool of you make your list, but then you actually take stuff off your to-do list and put it in a specific place in your calendar. And then you don't worry about it until you get to that time. Right. Is that what you're saying? Right. And you have to then trust that on that day, you're also going to make time for it. Mm, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's hard. But it has relieved, like, the a little bit of the, like, treadmill feeling. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. I have the tendency just, like, oh, I'm walking around. Oh, this bathroom's dirty. I'm just going to, like, hurry and clean it because I'm here and I have two mm-hmm. minutes, whatever. But that never ends when you mm-hmm. have kids. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. I love that. I could definitely be better at that. Well, I love it. I love it when our high fives or face palms are in line. Yes. It's like this beautiful synchronicity because my high five this week also goes to, it goes to charts. <laughs> <laughs> also led by Jeff. So <laughs> clearly, I mean, as you were saying that, Felicia, Felicia and I have such different strengths and weaknesses. So I love it when there's anything that we ever are like, oh, I have that same thing. Because <laughs> as you were saying that about system, I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. Um, but Jeff is also the best uh, creator of systems and follow through. Or like he has this system he's been doing for, I don't know, what, a couple years now? Where he has like this daddy book system on speaking Spanish and teaching kids Spanish. It's amazing. It's been going for years. Like I don't even know how he does it. But anyway, so this is, I guess... I, you know, sorry, I guess this is technically a face bomb to myself <laughs> now that I'm saying this. But I, years ago, I mean, I'm talking, this was over three years ago because this was when we lived in our old house. You were with me. We were at a friend's house looking at her home because we were both, lit, um, Felicia and I were both at the time thinking we were going to build. And this friend I admire so much. Her kids, when they babysit for me, like always cleaned my house. They were they amazing. They were amazing. And I, I just love, I love the feel of her home and I loved how she was raising her kids. And so I asked her like, so tell me, what do you do for your kids and chores? Cause clearly it's working. Like they're responsible, they're respectful. Cause our kids have chores, but it's not like, 
there's still a lot of room for improvement. And so Jeff, being the brilliant, just get it done kind of person that he is, he found this awesome system. It's called MC Squares. And each kid has their own chart. They We made them, and then he helped them make them all together. They have their essentials on it. And then we have these markers that we mark off with. And he even created this cool system of like, once you do it for a certain amount of time, what happens? And anyway, it's absolutely incredible. And it's, we actually have like a good family system. Because I love the ideas of systems starting back when I read The Entitlement Trap, which was like a decade ago. But the pegs that they suggest, and we've talked about this, we have an entire podcast on it. A lot of their stuff I use, but when it comes to the daily pegs, like making a pegboard sounded overwhelming to me. Oh yeah, Parker made a pegboard. It was quite the chore. Interesting. See, that's fascinating. Like but I never... It's a big ordeal. <laughs> and the hard thing about pegboards is it's very vague. Anyways, keep going. Yeah. So anyway, what I'm saying is I've never really <clears throat> like been like, yes, this is the system that works specifically with getting like them checking stuff off. But it's been on my list for so long, and I've just never done it, guys. This is, I'm like embarrassed even saying this. Like, I didn't realize how embarrassed I would be saying this, but I am. <laughs> anyway, so facepalm to my experience there. But high five to Jeff for figuring out this amazing system, and we've been using it, and I love it. Like, it's easy for me. Like, I have my own chart with my essentials on it, and it's amazing. Towards the end of the night, like, we actually, like, if I'm missing my French you know, I have this little, it's five minutes of French Duolingo. Like I'll do it because I want to check it off, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, it is fantastic. And I love it because as Jeff was like explaining it to us, he said, if you have it at the end of the day, if there's something you haven't done, this isn't like a shame, like there's, you know, like, oh man, you didn't do it. He's like, I am, as a parent, I'm like committing you to to you to, I will help you do it with you. So if you haven't said your prayers yet, let's say them together, mm-hmm. you know? So is this the... We'll link this MC squares, but were they on Shark Tank? Yeah, that's okay. What we okay, yeah, we will. They we'll were on Shark this. Tank, and it's like removable, so we just put them up on our wall, and they don't hurt your paint. You can yeah, just take them on off. So the kids loved it because you know I, my oldest was in charge of like, how do you want it to look on our wall? Yeah. And anyway, it's really really cool. So high five to actually, I've been wanting to do a system like this for probably, well I've wanted to for a decade. I've been thinking about it hard for about three years <laughs> when I say thinking about it I mean like really wanting it and like even making some stuff to make it happen but not actually doing it and then losing the magnets so well done Jeff high five and I'm excited yeah we'll link it we'll link the system that we're liking but it's really simple and beautiful and I'm it's such a relief so okay so today we are talking about kind of shifting from talking about chores and systems to we have a lot of Uh, listeners who reach out to us and say things like there's just so many different parenting books and ideas out there and it's kind of confusing and so how do we the question is how do we parent how do we live from a place of authenticity and alignment without just being kind of like swayed in the wind by new ideas all the time as I say that I am not a person who thinks that once you decide something you have to stick with it for your whole life right Every idea I ever come across influences me a little bit, whether I, I reject it or not. Sometimes when I hear an idea, it actually pushes me the opposite direction because yeah. I'm so turned off by that idea, right? Mm-hmm. But ideas like people, to me, are all things that influence us. But so today what we're going to do, we're going to base a lot of our information from Dr. Shafali Sawberry, which we've talked about a lot. We really love her books. But we're going to base some of it on her philosophies. But we're going to really talk about aligning our parenting with what it means to be authentic and how we have, we have it broken down into some actual steps that you can do as you're looking at your own parenting. And hopefully it can help you find a space where you're parenting really authentically in a way that feels good for your own heart that you can tell I mean, the goal here is that as you parent, you're being present and that your kids can tell that you're being authentic and you can kind of find this place that's really serving everybody in your family, you, your children, your partner, everyone. Yeah, and I think the biggest um, part of this episode for me that I was so excited about is exactly what you were saying. I think a lot of the times, and I mean we're a podcast of distilling information. Um, 
And so we love new information, books. I mean, I am all about that. Sometimes your brain can feel crowded though. And it can feel like, what's, what do I really feel like is truth? And what is all this information from the outside world? Whether that's your mom, your mother-in-law, your what you're seeing on TV, what your friend said, what you read in that book. And then it can start to feel like, you know, when you're, when you're parenting in a way that is not true to yourself, I think you feel it and your kids feel it. And I think we're a little bit like wobbly Mm -hmm. when we're doing that. And it's like, oh, but if, if I'm not feeling strong in that, how am I going to hold that with them? So what we're going to talk about today, we're going to first dive into how it starts with looking at ourself. Um, So um, looking inward and then how we can use our pause technique to really find the true wisdom and um, right next step in any situation. So looking in, pause, then attuning to our child and seeing them truly empathetically and then how we can respond to any given situation through boundaries and stuff like that. So that's what we're going to go through today. <clears throat> so when we're, when we're looking inward, I think this can start to get a little bit like woo-woo-ish. And I'm definitely more of like a, a concrete person. So sometimes it's like, yeah, yada, yada, that's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. But what do I need to actually do? But so I'm going to say, come at this with an, an open mind because I have found with my kids that oftentimes there will be situations where maybe my intellectual mind or what somebody has told me or something I've learned is saying one thing. But then when I really go into my emotional awareness of the situation, um, the, the truth that comes through to me through my intuition is way different than what my knee-jerk concrete um, decision would have been. So for instance, something that happens regularly that's just small, but I think it's a good example of this, is when my kids are like, I don't want to go to school today, that. And I can say that every single time I get it, if I take a minute, I get a different feeling about what the right response should be even though my concrete like outside brain is like don't let them not go to school because then they're just going to do that every single day or they're going to think that they can just say that and not go to school some days I'm like oh yeah but you're going to school and some days if I if I take a minute and like connect in and like my intuition's like, yeah, I think they really need a break today. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is every single time, if I were to just go to like my knee-jerk, like concrete intellectual mind, it would be like, just go to school, you're fine. Or maybe there might be one time where it's like, oh, they're really sick, so don't go to school. Mm-hmm. But I think there's so much nuance with each, with each of our kids and each situation. And um, I think taking a second to come into our emotional awareness is the best way I feel like I can say that rather than always going intellectually can help us mm-hmm. that makes sense I feel like as we because I mean what you're talking about there I love you're saying <clears throat> you're kind of saying it is the stopping and pausing and then looking at your own kids and going with what you think is best for their highest good which I love mm-hmm. I love that example because it's a really good example of kind of applying all those steps tapping in to yourself pausing looking at your own children, what are they actually needing right now? Mm-hmm. Instead of just making a, nope, I'm in charge here. Well, you are, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know what yeah. I mean? Like, no, this is my pre-made decision no matter what. So I love that. Um, something that I think is difficult when it comes to, if we're starting with looking at ourselves, the kind of premise of conscious parenting, which I love, but it, it isn't a simple step-by-step concept, but is the, it is that parenting triggers us right and we've talked about this concept so much but if something is triggering us instead of starting with looking outside of ourselves we start with looking inside of ourselves so I love it because um Dr. Shafali Sawberry as she as she gives examples I mean she has all these examples of 
until the parent actually addresses what's happening inside of themselves, you can have the same issues come up over and over and over. And you're not going to be able to serve your kids or yourself. But if we allow it, parenting can be this amazing transformational process for us because children make us face our demons. Yeah. They do because they bring up so much emotion that our deepest fears come up. So in this step of looking inside of ourselves, for me, the most helpful part of it is when it talks about fear. So if my daughter, so this just recently happened, she said no to an activity that she's really good at, that in my mind, I wanted her to do. But when she said no to it, I had to face inside myself. My instant reaction was to be like, no, you don't give that up. Like you're really good at it. And I mean, of course, we had like a, a logical conversation as we were discussing it. You know what I mean? Like, so what are the pros and cons? Why are you feeling like you want to quit it? And I ended up just asking her a lot of questions about it and then letting her choose. Um, but I had to go inside myself and actually ask myself, so why am I, why am I feeling so strongly about this? And it's because I wanted her to have the same experience that I had had. My fear was that if she didn't do this activity, continue this uh pathway that she wouldn't have the same positive experience I had in junior high and high school regarding extracurricular activities, right? Mm -hmm. Which is ridiculous because she doesn't even have the same experience as me to have a positive time there. But in my mind, it wasn't Mm -hmm. until I looked deep inside myself to realize why, why is this triggering me? Oh, it's because I'm afraid she's not going to have this experience, but she might, she doesn't need that same experience. So it wasn't until I actually addressed that inside of myself but I was able to then go to her and have the conversation of, okay, so this is what you're wanting. Let's talk about why. And after she explained it and we talked about it, she chose her way and she's feeling really great about it. But had I just gone into the conversation of, you know, cause she told me and had I just been like, Oh my gosh, my reaction is no, don't give it up. You're so uh-huh, good. Uh-huh. But, and like kind of make her feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. And then, but that's shutting off an opportunity for you in a few years. You won't even be able to do this. If you, I would have just jumped right into that coming from a place of fear but it wasn't until I looked inside myself that I realized I could even have a conversation with her that wasn't emotionally charged and I'm so glad because I don't want her as an adult looking back and being like my mom just made me do this because she thought because she wanted me to be like her I don't want that for her I don't want that for me but that was my initial reaction and it isn't until looking inside myself and addressing my own fear that we can even do that and that's the fear of anything I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times we're afraid of our kids disobeying us or making wrong decisions because we're afraid of something Mm -hmm. always right we're afraid of them becoming like our you know somebody we know who is like down the path of addiction when we see them doing something that's not even connected to it but we emotionally charge it because we're so afraid of that far thing and we have to address it in ourselves or the fear of being unloved Mm -hmm. dr shafali says that in she actually says that well there's a few big fears in humanity but one of them is the fear of being unloved And if we, she says, if we don't feel love from our early childhood, we will either try in our parenting to receive that love from our children. So we're parenting from a place of lack. Like, and I actually know, I have one friend specifically who I remember saying she was pregnant. We were early 20s. She probably had him, she had her baby about four years before my first baby. And she told me, she's like, I feel like I need this baby because I know this baby will love me no matter what, because it has mm-hmm. to. It, mm-hmm. This baby's going to have to like s- depend on me to survive, right? And I remember looking at her and being like, that's an interesting reason to have a baby, you know? Because right. I, I didn't understand at the time. Like I hadn't looked, I hadn't read so much and understand. But she was coming at parenthood as a way to fill this hole inside of her. And it makes sense because children do. They're born to us, and then we have this overwhelming love for them. Some Well, not all the time, but a lot of times. And they love us. But if we're parenting from a place of I need love and you're going to fulfill that need, then all of our parenting decisions are going to come from that space of I need you to fill this and it's not going to be for our kids' higher good. We're going to make decisions right. all day long that's not for their higher good and it's not going to help them become healthy adults either. Yeah. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, Shafali says that, I just love her first name so much, I'm going to keep using it. <laughs> that's okay. Um but she says that if we're operating from that place, the opposite is if we didn't feel enough, we don't have that like love built up from when we were kids, we go the opposite way and we 
don't allow anybody to fully love us. We don't want to mm-hmm. ever put ourselves in a situation where somebody can love us deeply. And in those situations, we're not connecting with our kids emotionally. We're mm-hmm. only doing the outside stuff, just keeping them alive, giving consequences when we think they need to be, you know, like just trying to control their behavior, but mm-hmm. we're not truly looking in and connecting. But in that situation, and a lot of people who grew up that way grew up in a household like that, where they didn't share emotions, maybe there wasn't a deep connection. And in that situation, if you try to change it from a behavioral standpoint or just from looking at your kid's standpoint, it's not going to change until you look inside of yourself and realize, I have this unmet need from when I was a kid. I am now going to still choose to lean into love and connect. But until you address that in yourself, it's not going to happen. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? So that's using that one fear as an example, just the fear of being unloved. Until you realize what you're doing and you're able to actually give, and this is where therapy helps, Or you can do this even in a meditation. You can go in and imagine yourself as a young child and actually give yourself love. Mm -hmm. Like say, it's okay to feel loved and actually feel that inside of your body and realize that you don't need it from your kids. And there's a lot of even like yoga practices that work through that, like giving love to your own self. Yeah, you can. Oh, I just saw this guy the other day. So these are just tools we're throwing out here, but... Um, you can, so yeah, in meditation, so like you walk yourself down to a relaxed state, picture yourself at the age of five or whatever, and actually give that child a hug and say like, it's okay, you are enough how you are, you're worthy, you're lovable. It is safe, like you're safe. <clears throat> and then what that allows you to do is you can parent your children from a place of not needing their love, but simply loving them, mm-hmm. or on the opposite side of the spectrum, allowing yourself to actually connect because you know you can be safe loving mm-hmm. somebody. Mm-hmm. And another thing, another tool there is, I just saw, oh my God, it was, it was such a good idea. He said that you can actually go inside yourself and picture yourself as a child and say whatever it is you're feeling. So maybe it's you're feeling uncomfortable with who you are or whatever it is. And you can actually, you just tell yourself, it's okay to feel that feeling inside my body. And I wish I knew who it was who said this, but I don't. It was like a random therapist that I I just saw and I was like yeah that feels like truth and he said you just tell yourself it's okay to feel that inside my body you can feel fear you can feel whatever and he's like as you lean into that emotion you'll actually feel it kind of like zing through you and then kind of dissipate so it's this concept of leaning into Mm -hmm. your own emotions Mm -hmm. but those are just two I mean I know I just kind of glanced over that but exercises when you're looking deep inside yourself to figure out like why in the world am I acting like that with my kids yeah look inside yourself what unmet need do you have and let's not look to our kids for that need yeah because anytime we're looking to our kids to fulfill our own needs it be, it creates an unhealthy relationship yeah right? and I think that's what that boiling down to is the reason you're doing that is because you don't feel whole and secure so you are you are looking to them to you're projecting onto them what you need and you're expecting that back from them or if you you know can get to it you can get to a whole place then you can see them totally clearly without that projection of your fear and they don't have to carry that burden yeah of no it's not healthy for children to feel like they are responsible for their parents Mm -hmm. happiness Mm -hmm. i have one child my second daughter who is such a she's such an empath she's so sensitive Mm -hmm. that she easily takes on everybody's happiness around her Mm -hmm. so I actually have to constantly remind her your job is not to make me happy Mm -hmm. like I'm in charge of that Mm -hmm. so it's okay that I'm unhappy you don't have to change your course here (laughs) you know what I mean like you don't have to bend over backwards Mm -hmm. and disregard your own needs because you're trying to meet mine my job my job is to be whole and your job is to be whole and as a parent obviously my role is totally to support her but children do not need to carry the burden of their parents emotions Right. right So I think facing that, what are my own unmet needs and how can I make myself whole so I'm not asking my children to? And the second question we can ask ourselves that's so helpful is what am I afraid of? Yeah, and I think if you're you're journaling, so I know that um, I'm more of a like write it down to work through stuff. And I think an exercise that can help in that situation is journal out all your, your big fears when it comes to your kids and... Just ponder on like how could those be affecting how I'm parenting in any given situation, and I think that could bring a lot of a lot of clarity. <clears throat> I think that's brilliant. So, 
as we're moving into this next step of the pause, we talk about this a lot. Shafali does not necessarily use the phrase the pause, but when uh, she, in her book, I was like, wow, we, this is totally the pause that we talk about and find so much strength in. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of the times as parents, we feel like our, like we need to be doing and solving and pushing because we see parenting as our job or because that doing and disciplining or punishing or whatever um, keeps us moving and kind of numbs us from feeling those fears that we actually have. Uh, This is definitely, so in like the, in Carol Tuttle's like personality types, I'm a type three. So my tendency is definitely just to go to the solution of any given situation. And um, oftentimes we, we just really need to wait <laughs> to figure out either our most wise action or to realize that maybe this thing is just going to pass and there isn't an action. But unless we allow space, um, then it's really hard to develop that, that clarity that we need in our parenting. Um, and something else that I feel like this really alleviates is that Shafali calls this a clash of time zones, but oftentimes our kids, I mean, most of the time, especially with young kids, they are only right in the exact moment that we're in. And a lot of times as parents, we are, so take, for example, you go out and do something really fun for the day that you've planned with your kids to the tramp park and you went to lunch and it was so fun and great. So then you get home and your kid's having this big tantrum. And as a parent, we, we are like, we just went and had this so much fun. You're being ungrateful. I spent all this time and money connecting with you. And now you're having a big chance tantrum like that is so rude blah 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 blah. and our kid is in only in the moment of really really tired and needs a snack and a nap or whatever they don't even they're not thinking anything about like oh I probably shouldn't be crying because my mom just took me and had this like fun time with me Mm -hmm. and I think this pause can also help us slow down and come into the moment that our kids are actually in to find clarity Mm -hmm. Um, and there's something magical for me about it also alleviates for me the pressure of having to make the exact right decision all the time right immediately <laughs> and as something Janet Lansbury talks about this a lot which I appreciate that you can sometimes say when something happens and you're trying to decide what the right decision or the right boundary you need to set or whatever you can say I'll decide tomorrow yeah. or she even says I love it she says you can change your mind later you yeah. know what I mean it's okay yeah. But, um, but for me, in fact, my daughter, my actual oldest just asked me yesterday about something that she wants to do. And anyway, it's downloading this app on my phone cause she can't have apps on her phone. She has nothing on her phone, literally like she can <laughs> text message and like, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> but anyway, and make phone calls, but which I, which I totally, I'm sticking with that boundary. But anyway, she was asking about an app on my phone. And I love it because when you don't have the pressure of always making the exact right decision in the immediate thing, it's like, well, I, you know what? Let me think about it and mm-hmm. we'll talk about it again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But not only that, though, there are times that this really takes the pressure off when you are about to lose it, right? Like you just walked in, your kid has drawn with Sharpie all over the wall and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose it. Sometimes you know just what to do at the moment, right? Yeah. We obviously don't take away the Sharpie. That's the first step. <laughs> we all know that. But there are some times where we are not in the place where it's like, I know, I know if I do something right now, it's not going to be I'm from a freak place. out. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with being like, you know what? We're going to come back to this. We're going to come back to this tonight. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I don't do that all the time. I rarely actually do it because a lot of times I just, it's just, and I think for kids, a lot of times, it is just natural to have it just whatever thing you're going to do, you just do it right then, you know, you help them clean it up, you, whatever you're going to do. But there's every once in a while where I'm emotionally charged enough that's like, 
I actually I actually need not only time space, but I need space space. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I need a break mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with with doing that. And I think that starts all the way. I mean, we'll link one of my favorite episodes about babies that we have. It's actually to me the only advice that I can say for me 100% all the time, sure, I would apply sure. to every single baby, mm-hmm. every baby mm-hmm. in the whole world. Like, I mean, I, well, that's a strong statement. I don't know. There's probably babies with like medical conditions you can't right. do this with. So sorry, not every baby <laughs> in the whole world, but most babies. And that is the pause. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I am no baby. I am no baby professional. Mm-hmm. My kids were not like, they were fine sleepers, but you know, it's like I have some magic thing. But the pause is my one thing that's like, yes, it is magical. There is something magical, even with a newborn baby, when instead when they cry, instead of just rushing Binky, to stop them boom, crying. Like, buh, right yeah, then. Exactly. Yeah. Just plop it in their mouth. There is something magical about just looking at them, mm-hmm. taking that few breaths to actually look at them and either asking out loud or just with your heart, like, what is it that you need? Mm-hmm. It is amazing. It takes the whole energy of the frazzle, the anxiety that sometimes accompanies newbornhood. And it just allows you to see your baby in this way that's so beautiful. And it also allows all the other things to come in line better. I think it makes everybody more mindful, including the baby. It helps with sleep. It helps with everything. There's something just really beautiful about anytime anything's happening, can you take a minute and pause? Even in conversations. So it happens with their babies. If you can pause and ask, what is it that you actually need here? Instead of just throwing stuff at them but this applies I feel like as my kids get older same thing there's a lot of times and I'm ashamed to admit this but there's times where I'm usually it's when I'm like trying to do the dishes or get stuff all ready before dinner and my kid will come to me and say something that I can and I can hear there's emotion in it right Mm -hmm. but because I'm doing something else it's so easy for me just to be like I'll just answer it right but every single time guys every single time I actually stop and look at my child and take a pause it is amazing to me how my heart knows what they need. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, they don't even need words. Mm-hmm. They'll need a hug or they'll need me just to bend over and actually look what they have in their hand, whatever it is. But I think that's where the magic of connection happens. And you can't have that magic of connection if you don't pause. Yeah. And for me, anytime I feel disconnected from my kids and things start getting up, it's because we're missing that. We're missing that connection, that Not pause. Taking. Yeah. So. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think it also builds our kids, um, like, patience, skin, whatever you want to call it, for them. Because I think this naturally occurs as you have more kids. But they, you know, sometimes because you pause, they end up solving a situation themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, like with a toddler. They're, you know, they're fussing about something. Maybe... They can't get the trains to hook together. And it's so, like, with your first kid, we all know this feeling. I can literally help them do almost everything all the time Mm -hmm. because they're just right here. But if we allow them that second, maybe they figure out how the trains hook. Or maybe they invent some other way. Or maybe they're done with the trains. Mm It doesn't really matter. But it's it's almost like um, putting a little trust in them. And even you can do that with babies and older kids where it's like, if we just take a a breath here, we might be able to find a way that we all learn from the situation. We all gain a little bit of patience. It's just kind of slows down the energy of the home too. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm being really conscious about that, I feel like everybody's a little less frenetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can feel <clears throat> as an adult, when you talk to somebody who knows how to pause, mm-hmm. pauses are really powerful Yeah, instead of just Jumping right. I mean, it's interesting as you were talking in this podcast because we're trying not to let you guys have too much quiet, <laughs> quiet time. <laughs> but 
good conversation is I want to pause. Like when Felicia talks, like I want to just stare at her for a minute and be like, hmm, yeah, let that that sink in. But when you talk to somebody in real life, pauses are beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love when I talk to somebody and you can tell they're not just waiting for me to finish my sentence so they can jump right in. But when somebody pauses with me and actually looks at me and like you can tell they're bringing in what I said and thinking and then speaking, you feel really seen and heard. So even as adults, I think this doesn't just apply to kids, but I think anytime we can pause, even when it comes to, and same thing, what am I saying? Even emotionally charged situations as adults, there's been a lot of times where I've said like, you know, Jeff or I will be like, you know what, let's talk about this tomorrow. Let's take a sec. You know? (laughs) Just because, in fact, the last time it happened, we were fasting. (laughs) So it was like 3 p.m., you know, we were towards the end of our fast and, you know, I can't remember what we were talking about, but I was like, you know what, this is going to be a good, good conversation, I can tell, but. I can't, I can't talk about it right now. <laughs> like, I'm just not going to be in the right place. We need a second. Because I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. So, And there's nothing wrong with that, I think, in totally. any situation. So I love when you have principles like this. They cross from baby all the way to adults. And I think really pause is one of those principles. <laughs> because pause is connected to presence and connection. Mm-hmm. And connection and presence are two of our pillars. So you really can't go wrong with the pause. Totally. And <clears throat> Shafali she uses the term the zone of zero reactivity mm. to describe how if we can give like that friction a chance to chill out, then we can then have the chance to entertain different ways of seeing it. So she has these questions that I thought were really great when, so we have a situation with our kid. Instead of reacting, we pause and we can ask ourselves, is this a life or death situation? What's the aerial or larger perspective on the situation? Is this the best time, like you were saying, to handle the situation? Is there another way to frame this situation that honors both of our wishes? Or, and, and probably mostly, how might I have contributed to the situation? And all of these, I mean, if you can just run through, maybe the ones, maybe as you practice this, there's a few that stick out to you, Um Usually, I mean, that last one, how might I have contributed to the situation? Mm. There are most times where something's going on with my kid. And if I can, usually it takes me more than a second, but, you know, take a few hours to be like, how am I contributing to this? I'm like, dang, in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, why are they, why when I say let's go, can they not just go? And then it's like, that is so annoying. Like, I want to say get in the car and they just get in the car. And then like. You know, a day later, I'm like, oh, I'm like doing 400 things before we mm-hmm. go out the door and mm-hmm. I'm getting distracted and I'm running back mm-hmm. in a million times. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yep. Or why can't they just pick up their messes as they go? And then I walk through the house and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm not doing it, Oops. you know? Yep. So I feel like those questions are really, really helpful, especially if you have yeah. a big reoccurring thing. Yeah. And they help us not get in the box, which is what we talked about on uh, one of our most recent episodes. I'll link it. But it helps us not get in the box and just see other people as it's their problem, right? right? When we realize, oh, I play a part in this. (laughs) Also, it gives us back our power, honestly, when we realize that we contribute. Mm -hmm. When you said um, what Shafali's term of zone of zero activity, I thought of, you know, the concept that we've all learned for decades, and that is creating space between stimulus and response, right? Mm -hmm. And the thought that came to my mind was a breath. I think we're talking about pauses, sometimes long pauses. But to me, there's like this, oh man, in yoga, we actually, I just did a class where we focused on this, where you can actually, it's like this kind of time warp feeling where something happens. And if you can allow yourself to take one deep breath in between when you react. So this isn't like a, we'll talk about this tomorrow. This is like a, no, I want to keep, like, I want to keep going here. Mm-hmm. But just find this space, and it's like this little, when it's that zero, zone of zero activity, it feels like outer space to me. Mm. That might sound woo-woo, but like when you take a breath, it like expands time out a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And you're able to gather your entire self back mm-hmm. to yourself in a breath. Mm-hmm. So that's something magical about our breath, is that we have the capacity to come into the present moment. And in the present moment, there is no 
it like it can expand that space. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you have your stimulus and you have your response and a breath can really, even if it's only a few seconds, a breath like makes that bigger. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So it can be just a breath, but mm-hmm. the pause tuning into your body for breath is for me really, really magical. Especially when you're I mean, we've all just jazzed been, up. I mean, just picture yourself <laughs> in a line at the store when you're in a rush. You're feeling stressed. You're in fight or, you're in fight or flight. Our bodies do it automatically. You see people do it all the time. You just do. Yeah. Because your body just knows you need to take a breath. Mm-hmm. And it helps you get out of that space. Mm-hmm. And so our next um, step we're going to go into is attuning to our child. And with if we're just reacting, we are not attuning to our child. And I think the main um, take home from attuning to our child is that I think for most of us, ultimately, at the end of every, um, you know, if someone were to ask you, like, what's the most important thing in your parenting, that is your relationship or the connection um, with our kids. So, you know, initially you might say, oh, you know, my most important thing is, like, they're successful or they're, you know, going to have this result or they're going to do this so they get this, whatever. But if we really distill it down, at least for me, it's definitely how can I maintain our connection, our relationship, <clears throat> and attuning to our kids is a way that we can always bring it back to that connection. So we're shedding our expectations, our reactivity, our assumptions, our how what we think about the situation, blah, 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 and truly seeing our kids through an empathetic lens. That's what attuning to our kid is. And we can only do that if we have the first two things. You know, we've Mm -hmm. cleared all our weird baggage and we've paused so we're not reacting. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the the beauty of attunement is that it brings us back to that connection. Yeah. Uh, She gives an example and this actually struck me in my heart because this happens especially with my younger daughter a lot. She said that her her daughter, who was, I think, about 10 or so, came up to her and said, will you brush my teeth for me like you used to when I was, you know, little? And her initial reaction was like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, logically, like, no, you're big enough. You can do that yourself. But then she actually took a minute and looked, and she said she kind of felt resistance, and she even saw her daughter, like, back away, like, okay, never mind, never mind. But then she looked at her daughter and realized her daughter was just asking for connection in a way that she used to feel connected to her. And so she said, instead, she, like, took a breath, and felt, saw her daughter in her own need and said, you know what, I miss those days too. I'd love to brush your teeth tonight. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean, because the fear is, well, I don't want to brush your teeth every night, <laughs> right? But seeing her daughter and realizing there was just simply a reach out for connection allowed her to have it be a moment of connection. It didn't mean that she had to brush her teeth for the rest of her life. It just mm-hmm. meant that she did that night. Mm-hmm. And I find same, my daughter, she'll come up to me and she puts her hands like in, like kind of like underneath her chin, and she comes and just like leans into me, but I'm usually doing something and it almost makes like us fall over. You know what I mean? Like she's going to like fall to the side and she's kind of just like in my space. Yeah. Like, and my initial reaction is oftentimes like, what are you doing? Like you're bumping me around. <laughs> like what's happening? And then just the other day I like faced her and I looked at her and I was like, oh, are you wanting a hug? Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, pff, I can do that. I didn't know. I wasn't taking the time. I was just trying to get stuff done. Yeah. I wasn't taking the time to realize what she was even asking for. Mm -hmm. But she just needed affection. She's a really, I mean, touch, you can tell, is her love language. She needed some snuggles, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just, like, hugged her. And she probably, honestly, we hugged for, like, 30 full seconds. And now I know when she does that, she comes into me, she puts her hands like that, and I know just to hold on to her for a Mm -hmm. little while. And it probably is longer than I would, even on my own. Right. But now that I know that's what if I actually can see her and be like, yeah, that is totally something that I would like, I am happy to meet you in Mm -hmm. that need Mm -hmm. and see it. Instead of just thinking why you bumping me around. Right. Totally. You know what I'm saying? So that kind of stuff I think happens all the time where we have an initial reaction, but then if we actually just look at our kid and see what they're actually asking for, what is it that they're needing? It's so much easier for us to lean into that. And I think a lot of misbehaviors are, cries for connection like we've talked about in the soul of discipline how it's like the pinging pinging like they're you know we have a toddler who's just like whacking us and you know our adult mind's like oh my gosh they're gonna be a hitter 
Mm -hmm. I need to stop this. Mm -hmm. Not saying let your kid hit you, but maybe it's attuning and seeing them, you know, you haven't been holding them as much because you have a new baby and they're, they're crying out for some physical attention. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe it's a kid who keeps doing the same thing over and over again that you ask them not to do. And it's that they're, they're trying to get your attention because you've been really busy with work. So they're trying to get some one-on-one and they know you're going to talk to them about it, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's attuning to that. Maybe their misbehavior is, is calling for some sort of connection. And like you said, with the brushing teeth, this doesn't mean that we're giving in to their misbehaviors. This doesn't mean that we're indulging. indulging. Right. Just means we're tuning to them and we're observing. Is there a way that I could respond that's for, for both of our higher good? It's just like taking that second to see what they truly need. And, um, that can take us into our, our final, um, tip for this process is to, come at these all of our situations with a response and not a reaction like we said being reactive emotionally reactive uh, breaks our connection and there are some times where we do need to hold a strong line and there are times where we do have to you know not is you know we're taking from our love bucket from our kids because we are you know, keeping them safe or holding something really firm because we know for their highest good, that's the best choice. Um, but if we can respond, like we said, instead of react, then I think often we are, um, being wise in those situations and not, uh, just going off our triggers or our fears or, you know, that initial emotion and I think the best way to do this is with boundaries because we can control ourselves and that's what we've talked about and we can control the environment. So, you know, like systems or things we have set up for our kids. And I think the best way to do that is boundaries. Shafali calls um, them life-giving boundaries and she says they are an art form. So they're premeditated they're made from a wise spot and they're not, they're communicated and they're not, again, it's not a reaction. So it's not like, well, I have this boundary that I just made up right now and now you're breaking it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's like premeditated discipline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you have these, maybe it's a screen time um, problem you've been having with your kid. They're always getting on the iPad and they throw this big fit when you try to take it from them. So, our two options are the reactive punishment discipline where we just take it from them. And like, I've told you a million times not to just go get the iPad and play on it. You're grounded from the iPad for a month. Mm -hmm. So that's a reaction. You are, you know, you have this idea in your mind of the highest good for your kid, but instead of coming at it from a wise place, you're reacting. So a boundary would be in that moment, maybe you wait till, your kid just sets the iPad down because you know that just uh, letting it fizzle out is better than breaking that connection because it's maybe you take that aerial perspective and you're like, it's not that big of a deal if they play it for 10 extra minutes before we have to leave. But then you you do this premeditated boundary where it's like, okay, we're going to talk and you have iPad for 20 minutes on this day and at all other times, the iPad is somewhere where they can't get it. So it it prevents you from having those connection breaking experiences because you're being wise about setting it ahead of time so it's it really is an art for an art form like planning out these boundaries and it's never ending i feel like every single day there's like a new thing where it's like mm-hmm. we need to have a boundary around that mm-hmm. it it is a lot of work on the front end but it's just like a good system it makes it so much easier on the back end. Yeah. Well, it makes you can say things like when they want to play a game on a Wednesday, it makes it so easy because I can just say, oh, what day is it? It's Wednesday. Hmm. Yeah. So does that mean you get in the screen time? <laughs> no. And they right. answer the question themselves. They're like, 
no, it's not Friday. Right, you know? right. Because for my kids, they get their they get their screen time amount on Friday. But and yeah, it sets the imagery that's coming to my mind. It's in one of our parenting books, but it was it's a fence. So when your kids know where the fence already is, when it is premeditated, they already know. There's no question of what's going to happen when I do this because they already know that that's where the limit is. The fence is there. Yep. And in the book, they talked about it was something with dogs, which I hate to compare children to dogs. <laughs> but they were like this place that raised dogs, and they were like known all over the country for these incredible dogs. And the guy asked him, what is your key to like making your dog so well-behaved and into these healthy, thriving dogs that people want in their homes and he said the key is our high fence they have a big yard with a high fence Mm -hmm. so like the dogs could run wild and just within the fence within the fence though so and so i think that's kind of the idea here is we and that's also in our french parenting book the Uh bringing up bebe that that principle of you allow your children you're not controlling every single thing they do micromanaging it but you're giving them this fence that's firm fence, which makes them feel safe. It's like the seatbelt on the roller coaster. You want that fence to be firm. You want that bar to be there. But then you want to be able to enjoy right? also. So I, I love that like imagery of do your kids know where the boundary is? Because if they don't, if you're just making up stuff all the time, that's unmooring and it's unanchoring and it's confusing. Right. right? But what is – so you use the example of hitting. So when a kid comes up – and I have found that a lot, especially when you have a new baby – Kids will start getting, they kind of get aggressive with their moms because they want their mom's attention, right? So there's nothing wrong with, you're still setting the boundary of, I won't let you hit me, right? Like you're still holding onto their wrists and saying, I won't let you hit me because that's a boundary, right? Like I, we, we know that that's never going to be something that I'm just like, yeah, great, go for it. Walk away. So I can still hold it, but there's nothing wrong with looking at your child and saying, what is it that you're feeling? What do you need? With tiny ones, they're not going to be able to answer that. But with bigger, like with my five-year-old, I can totally say that to him. Mm-hmm. And he can say, I feel sad mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And I can hold them. And it's amazing when I do that and actually connect, that aggression is just gone. Totally. Because the need was attention and connection. Mm-hmm. The, the behavior was annoying, smacking in my hips, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I could stop the behavior. So the limit's still there. But then actually like looking in, like what is it that you need? Uh-huh. I think it's this beautiful, it's, it's a combination here of you're seeing your child. But that doesn't mean that you don't still set boundaries, right? And that also leads us into consequences. <clears throat> so we have the boundary, we have the limits, but what happens when they cross those limits? And really, I think the only tip here is that I have that goes along with what uh, Shif- Dr. Shafali says is that the consequences should be natural. They're not this arbitrary, you lose Disneyland in three weeks because you didn't make your bed today. Uh-huh. It's just random that you're just making up, right? right. <laughs> But that and unrelated. it mm-hmm. comes along with it, right? Like it's it's very organic. And as I say that, I think sometimes when people say natural consequences, they think that means no consequences. Like, for example, just let your kids do whatever they want. Eventually, they're just going to fail at life. That's a consequence. Right. That's right. not what we're going for. It's not just like let them fall on their faces. You still have to cultivate consequences, right? So, uh, for example, my daughter has an iPad for school and... Unfortunately, there's games that the school allows on the iPad. They're not bad games. They're just, in my opinion, they're dumb games. Yeah. <laughs> and she has to do her homework on her computer. That's the only way she can do it. So I can't just say, don't use your, your laptop. But I noticed that she kept switching screens, right? Like I'd come in and she'd be doing like some racing game or whatever. So the consequence isn't just like, I just let her like, just, okay, well, whatever, just do whatever you want. Eventually your school's going to become unmanageable for you and you're going to spend all your time on your laptop and be overwhelmed. Like that's not the consequence I want for her. That would be truly a natural consequence, right? If I'm just like, you know what, whatever, forget about, I'm just going to let this overtake you. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So I still have to cultivate a consequence. So for me, it's, I want to, so we had a conversation, you know, I want you to be able to, when you're doing your homework in your homework time, I don't want you to have to spend all day on your homework, mm-hmm. right? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what are the other things you want to do? She loves to jump on the tram, play with her friends and do all the other things that she loves to do. So we both want that, but I know that this is distracting. So what can we do to make so that that isn't a distraction? And we came up with the conclusion of she just needs to face when she does her homework, face her laptop outwards mm-hmm. so that, cause I'm always, I'm always in the kitchen while she's doing her homework, right? I just need to be able to see the screen. That keeps her focused on her homework, and it also helps me help her with that, right? So the, the consequence that we set was 
you got to have your screen always just facing outward, right? right? That's the consequence. It's natural. It's not just letting her just like fail going forward or, or for me, more importantly, it's not what I want for her brain mm-hmm. <laughs> as all those games. But I did have to cultivate that consequence, right? So right. it's a natural-ish. I don't even know how to say that. It's yeah, a natural-ish well, consequence. And it really is like it. the the it's almost like a pre like we were saying a premeditated discipline and you use that you know Shafali has okay that's great but how do I know what what boundaries to set in what situations and she says one think about am I setting a boundary that I'm keeping myself so again looking inward first what is the higher higher purpose of the boundary um so what do my kids really need and how do I provide or protect it? Which is exactly what you're doing. My higher purpose is all those things you said that you want her to experience. And so she can manage her schoolwork and how I provide or protect it is to have her turn her screen out. Um, and so she says, you can also ask if you're still like thinking, determine, um, is this serving my child's higher self and is it negotiable? So sometimes we have things that um, are just set, 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 set. Like, you know, you can never have a screen in your bedroom at night. But sometimes things are negotiable and it's good to know that. So just like a habit when you get in, that, get in those situations where you're maybe not as strong, you're hungry or you guys have been, you know, like driving for a long time or you're grumpy, your patient's skin is thin, you have those set up that you can fall back on and it's like taking away the the thinking when you're in like hard situations where you want to be lax but you know when you plan this it was Mm non-negotiable so you have that ability to hold it a little bit stronger so it sounds like we're saying a natural consequence oftentimes to prevent them from being either um, negligent or like punishment is using what we've just talked about this episode premeditating like looking in pausing and finding what's the most wise way to handle this situation so we can predetermine what outcome we want instead of just reacting mm-hmm. in any given moment yeah it's really putting them all yeah. together <laughs> yeah and then you can feel good about setting firm boundaries that's right. one of my favorite things to talk about actually when it comes to respectful parenting is the line between some people, the balance between some people use it as a free-for-all. Right, right. And then on the other side, well, we actually have a whole episode about this. <laughs> you have the military, like the militant parent on one side where you're controlling everything and then the entirely permissive parent on the other side. Some people, when they first learn about respectful parenting, they think it's entirely permissive. But the beautiful thing about this is that it's not, it's authoritative is the word we're going for. But it's that you can, from a conscious, aware space, still have really nice, firm limits that still have love and presence and humanity in them. That it isn't, yeah, just like you were saying, it's not like you're a robot that like no matter what, for a lot of things, yeah, it is non-negotiable. But like you were talking about with your kids, sometimes it's you look at your kids for that day and you realize, you know what? Yeah. Need a break. (laughs) I'll let you have a break (laughs) from school. Whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? And I think that's where we allow the, the kind of humanity part of it. And I think it's I think it's a beautiful thing to have firm limits so your kids know where the limit is and you hold it, but then you leave room that that guess what we're humans and mm-hmm. connection is what we're going for. So, mm-hmm. and I love it. I love guys being a parent sometimes where I'm like, who's in charge here? I'm in charge. Yep. Yep. I'm Mountain day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know I mean? Totally. Totally. And it's okay to have those sometimes. Or I mean, we all know, you know, like mm-hmm. we don't have treats after dinner. That's like. If you're, you're going to eat your dinner, and if we have dessert, we have dessert. But, like, yeah. you're not going to not eat dinner and then, like, go just eat cereal for the rest of the night. So there's something really fun about when, as a parent, you deliberately be like, pull out the, the lucky ice cream. Let's you know, do this. Like, <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night or whatever when we're having a late night with a movie. You know, it's totally. fun. Like it, I think it makes it really I, – I think that's wonderful and fun. And I think our kids can pick up on that, that, like, we're okay and we can be playful also. Yep. All right, guys, so to review the steps, look inward at yourself, pause, let the wisdom surface, attune to your child, and as you are figuring out what boundaries and consequences, make sure you're responding 
and not reacting. We hope this was helpful and we hope it helps you align with um, your values and intuition as a parent. Let's find the magic. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs> <laughs>